John chapter 10, and uh, I'm going to read from verse 1 all the way through 21 this morning. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger, or the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and, I may, have, and may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? That is the word of the Lord. Amen. All right, so... Um, like I said, this text is really rich in just uh, in, 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 it, in truth, and, and there's a lot to teach uh, from this passage. And I, I really admire how John chapter 9 is so closely um, intertwined with John chapter 10 and how these two chapters just uh, really just give us a fullness of, of the deity of Christ and, and give us a fullness of... Uh, of, of, of who, he, who he is and, and what his ministry was here on earth. Um, last week, you know, we, we talked about a portion of John chapter 10, and we focused on the fact that Jesus said, I am the door. And that was enough for us to be able to, you know, for, that was enough for me to develop a sermon and, and uh, teach that to you first, and then come today and talk to you about how Jesus is also the good shepherd. Um, but these, 
I am statements that we see in John, they're, they're very important. In fact, there's, there's seven of them. Um, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. We talked about that. He said, I am the light. Uh, last week, we talked about how he said, I am the door. And today, he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, there are seven of these within the Gospel of John. And these I am declarations... It's not like just where you or I, you or I just play make-believe and say, I am this or I am that. You see kids, though, you know, my daughters, they love to, to play make-believe and they role-play and one's the mother, one's the daughter, one's the sister, one's whatever, right? Even so much so that I, sometimes I hear one of them barking, you know, so I can guess what, which, which one she is. But they, they like to, to role-play, but this is not the case. When Jesus says, I am, he is directly... Um, connecting himself with with the Father. And he is saying that we are one. Because those I am declarations go back, all the way back to the beginning, uh, almost the beginning of the Bible in Exodus chapter 3, where where God, uh, he reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush. And he gives Moses a commission. He says, I want you to go and, and, and free my people. And he gives Moses a message as well. Moses is terrified about this calling that he has on his life. And he says, well, these people, they're hard-nosed, hard, hard hard-necked people. If I go and tell them that, that uh, someone is telling me that they need to leave Egypt and I am the one who's supposed to lead them out, who do I say is telling me this? And then that's where um, God reveals his name. He says, I am who I am. And that's all the way back in, in, in Exodus chapter, um, ch- chapter 3. So when Jesus says, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, again, he is connecting himself with God the Father and saying, I am as well. I am. So these are very, very important. And the declaration of I am the door that we talked about last week revealed how Jesus um, was revealed after, excuse me, was revealed after Jesus healed the man who was born blind in John chapter 9. And more importantly, not only did he heal him physically, but also uh, he led him to saving faith. And we see that that's the only person that Jesus led to saving faith that day. So the man trusted Christ over the religious leaders. The religious leaders were trying to pull him away from Christ, trying to convince him that that Christ was a sinner. And uh, when Jesus spoke to the man, he realized that Christ was his savior. And the reason why we understand that is because he listened to the shepherd's voice. Uh, Jesus was, he, he is the good shepherd. So the good shepherd was speaking to him versus the thieves and the robbers. And he didn't listen to the thieves and the robbers because they were strangers to him. But the, the shepherd's voice, he, he heard, he recognized it, and he followed it. So uh, he passed through the door of his salvation, who is Jesus Christ, his Lord. And that's the door that we all pass through whenever we Come to saving faith. We pass through Christ. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the man trusted, again, he trusted Christ over the religious leaders and, and he was blessed because of it. So when Jesus declared, I am the door, he was declaring that, again, he was the only way to the Father. The Bible says that we have access in one spirit to the Father through Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful and wonderful thing when Jesus talked about him being the door, but it's also just as wonderful 
when he declares, I am the good shepherd. And there is so much to that as well. In fact, in the same parable, he, he makes two different declarations. He makes the declaration of I am the door, and then he talks about him being the good shepherd. Now, when he talks about him being the, himself being the good shepherd, uh, this passage tells us that as the good shepherd, Jesus came, to, came so that his people may have an abundant life. Now, I don't know about you, but just the sound of it, you know, I, I want to sign up for that. Right? I want to sign up for an abundant life, but what we have to do, we have to be careful about what we think that means. And uh, I'm, I'm praying and hoping that this, the words I have for you today um, will give you a clearer picture of what an abundant life is. The fact is, though, is that Jesus, as our good shepherd, he is the one who leads us to this abundant life. Okay? There is no way that we would be there without him. So he is the one who leads us to this abundant life and he secures our place there through his work on the cross. So, so if I'm going to summarize that statement I just made, and that is the sermon summary for today, I, I would say that Jesus is the one who leads us to this abundant life, and he's the one who keeps us there. All right? So that in itself uh, should bring uh, you know, gladness from our hearts and praises to him uh, for who he is as our Lord and Savior. So I want to use our passage today to show you what this abundant life is and to tell you about the blessings, uh, the blessings it causes in your life. So the first thing is we need to understand this parable and, and understand the designations that are being made here. Um, first of all, Jesus makes it very clear that he is watchful and he is dedicated. Okay, And there is no one that is as watchful and as dedicated as he as the good shepherd. Now he uses um, two comparisons and he's comparing himself with the religious leaders of the day, the Jewish religious leaders of the day. And he's specifically talking about those in chapter nine who were trying to uh, basically persuade the, the man who was born blind away from him and trying to convince that man that, that Jesus was a sinner. So he's comparing himself uh, to them. He does it in two different ways. First, he says that he is the good shepherd and that those Jewish leaders were thieves and robbers. Now, as the good shepherd, Jesus said that he knew his sheep. Now, that's not just saying that uh, he knows them, like, oh, I, I know who that person is. Sometimes you'll mention a name and you're like, okay, yeah, I remember that person. I think I know who that is. That's not what Jesus is saying. He is saying that he knows them. Uh, similar to what the Bible says, where, where the Bible says that God knows every hair on our head, like he knows them that intimately. And in fact, he can say that because we know that as, as Jesus, as the Son of God, that we were made through him and we were made for him. So Jesus says that he, as a good shepherd, that he knows his sheep by name and that the sheep that they hear his voice. Now, I don't know about you, but that's extremely encouraging for me. That my God and your God, that he knows you by name. In fact, he knows everything about you. He knows your name because he is the one who has 
given it to you. So if you don't like your name, you cannot blame your parents. Right? Because it's through the providence of God that you receive the name that you have. But he, he knows our name. He knows us like no one else does. And Jesus, as the good shepherd, is saying, I know my sheep. See, shepherds had a way to communicate to their sheep. And they, they communicated through voice or through instruments. Sheep were known to be very dumb animals, but there was one thing that they could recognize. They could recognize the voice of their shepherd. So if he spoke and they were familiar with that voice, they would know that their shepherd was speaking to them. If he chose to communicate to them with an instrument, a flute, anything, they would know that as to be, oh, that's the sound of my shepherd, and they would come to him. Also, shepherds in those days, they actually named their sheep. And they, again, called them out uniquely to get their attention. It's almost as if all, you know, any dog lovers in here, we name our dogs. Our, our dogs know our voice. All we have to do is say something. We clap, something they recognize, and they'll come running. It's the same picture that, that Jesus is painting here with the, shepherd, the good shepherd and the sheep. Now, as the good shepherd, Jesus leads out his sheep. They are his own and they follow him. Now, it was common for the shepherd in those days also when they went from town to town or place to place that the shepherd would walk in front. And it would make a lot of sense because the shepherd was there to protect, to guide and to help the sheep and also to provide for them. So he was, in a sense, leading the way. So this is the picture that Jesus paints of himself with the sheep. But then he compares that to the religious leaders of the day. And he says, they, they are not shepherds. They are thieves and robbers. They attempt to steal the sheep away from the good shepherd. They are reduced to stealing because the sheep don't belong to them. His, God's sheep belong to him and no other. See, the good shepherd sheep don't recognize the thieves and robbers' voice because they are strangers, our, pastors, our passage tells us. And the shepherd sheep only listen to his voice. They do not listen to a stranger. And because of that, when the sheep hear the voice of a stranger, they flee from that. Then he says, here's the other comparison. He says, well, he was the good shepherd and they... The religious leaders of the day are the hired hands. As a hired hand, um, we can see that that depiction comes from, comes from uh, John chapter 10 as well as the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper was the one who was hired to watch the sheep in the sheepfold. The shepherds would bring the sheep in and, and, and bring them into this sheepfold and there would be several different herds and that hired hand, the gatekeeper, would be there to watch over them and he was paid to watch over them. Now there's a big difference between the hired hand and also the good shepherd. The, reason, the biggest difference is that the hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. He's just basically earning a check. He's just making an income. And when the wolf comes... The hired hand leaves because he cares nothing for the sheep. He only cares about himself. And that's the picture that Jesus is painting of the religious leaders of the, of, of, of the day. 
that they only cared for themselves. They wanted a following just to have prestige, power, money, all those different things. That they were not really concerned about the sheep and they surely were not concerned about God. But the good shepherd says, the Bible says that the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He loves and knows them like no one else does. So those are the two comparisons that we see here. And the reason why I bring those out first is because um, it's very important that we understand all this analogy and, and what's happening here and, and what the, the picture that Christ is painting. Because you can see the big difference between the two, um, the two lives. If, if there is a life under the good shepherd, then we can see how abundant that, that is. That we have a, a good shepherd who knows us, who loves us, who protects us, who leads us. Compared to if we follow thieves and robbers. Like there is no comparison. And that is a picture of the Christian life versus a life with no God. That is the complete picture. But the thing that happens to us in our Christian lives is that we don't recognize the abundant life that we have. Because many times we're too busy looking at the lives of others who do not know God and we think, I remember when I used to have that much fun. Or we think, man, I don't get to do everything I used to get to do. And we start to want what we had before, but what we had before really led us to where we are today because we were so broken and so hurt and so bitter and so hateful. And, and, and we, don't, we, we get really confused about that and we don't recognize that. Even in preparation of the sermon, I had to really speak to myself, and I was even doing it this morning, that not realizing the abundant life that I live in now. Like, yeah, there is going to be, it's going to be wonderful when we get to heaven. It's going to be wonderful not dealing with the consequences of sin. But I'm here to tell you that this life that you have now is not an evil life. This life that you have now is an abundant life because you have Christ. And and that's the picture that he's painting. It doesn't matter how bad it gets, it's still abundant because we have him. See, this abundant life of the believer under the good shepherd is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And that's exactly what Jesus is comparing in the beginning of this parable. His comments, uh, with his comments, Jesus was basically condemning the spiritual leadership or the lack of the spiritual leadership of the religious leaders. He was pointing out how they have fallen severely short of what they were called to do. They were called to be under shepherds of God. They were called to uh, to lead his sheep to these Wonderful springs of living water. In other words, they were called to lead the sheep to Christ, but they were doing the exact opposite. There's a lot that happens. That happens a lot today as well. There are a lot of people who I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there are pastors. There are Bible teachers that they call themselves. They're teaching, but they're not leading anyone to Christ. They're adding people to their ministries, but it's not by the gospel. See, as as a preacher and as a teacher, we have nothing to offer you except Christ crucified. That's it. That's all we have. 
That's the same thing that's going on here. We have these religious leaders who are leading people away from God. Instead of being under shepherds, they became thieves and robbers, or they became hired hands who did not really care for the people of God. And Christ was revealing that he was the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, those scriptures that pointed to him as the shepherd. I love this morning how Pastor Laramie read Psalm 23. We sang Psalm 23, and I'm about to read it again. Because it it points to Christ as the good shepherd and the life that we have in him. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, It's it's a beautiful psalm, but notice that it's not all just just, uh, butterflies and roses. It's not all just a picture of perfect life. There are blessings there in Psalm 23, but there are also challenges. There are are huge points of joy, but there are extremely low points of pain and sorrow in that psalm. But that psalm promises through it all that the Lord is our shepherd. I love it because this psalm, it beautifully displays the love, the leadership, the protection, the discipline, and the everlasting presence of the Good Shepherd in our lives. See, in him, God's people are finally safe and secure. He is the one who causes us to have this abundant life. You remove the Good Shepherd out of the picture, there is no abundant life. All there is is pain, sorrow, There is no hope without him as well. See, the Jewish religious leaders were false shepherds who had not lived up to their calling. And this was the calling that God had placed in their lives. Instead of seeing Christ for who he truly was and directing people to believe in him, if you go back to John chapter 9 and read that all over again, you'll see that they were actually calling their Savior a sinner. Not only that, but throughout John's letter, we see that they sought to arrest him. They sought to kill him, and eventually, eventually they would. But even Jesus speaks about that here in John chapter 10, verse 18. He basically says, I lay down my life. They don't take it from me. This is just, in fulfill, this is just to fulfill what, what, what God's will is, what my Father's will is. It's um, pretty sad to think about that sometimes when we're reading through the Bible and we read these stories of how these men and women rejected the Lord and the heart that they had in rejecting him. Their Savior was walking right before them and they didn't see it. But you know what? 
I, 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 can't, I can't look at that and say, well, if that were me, if I were left to my own devices, that would be exactly me. But the Lord, but the Lord changed my heart. The Lord has changed your heart. He has saved us, and that's why we only have him to thank for that. But here, there's one more thing to understand before we move to the final point. No one but Christ, no one but Christ is the good shepherd. You see, this is the, the conclusion that I have to come to when I read chapter 10. That I fall short. I fall short of being the good shepherd. And there is no reason why any pastor nor any spiritual leader should be in the place of God. In the place of the Savior. See, the best pastor is only an under-shepherd. And when we have to confess that. We have to realize that we, we are not your saviors. We can't lead you to the promised land. I can't get there myself. I don't know the way. And as an under-shepherd, my job is to point people to the good shepherd. It's to point you to Christ. Again, no pastor or religious leader can be the goal of your faith. Your faith must only rest in Christ. He is the one who laid down his life for you, not me. So, after hearing all this and understanding chapter 10 a little bit better, I think I can give you some, um, some application to this scripture and to give you something to go home with. The fact that we, are, that we have one shepherd and that we are one flock is an enormous blessing. And the fact that we as Gentiles, because that's what we are, we, we, weren't, we, we weren't born... Uh, Jewish, we weren't born as citizens of uh, the Israel nation. We weren't born in the Old Testament times as well. Uh, we are Gentiles, but we are Gentiles who have been grafted in. That means we have been pieced together, infused with Christ. So the fact that we are Gentiles and we have been grafted in with Christ, it means that grace and mercy has been applied to us through faith. And listen very carefully. That is the abundant life. That's enough. That's, that's it. Like if, if we leave here and, and we don't receive anything that we ever wish for after we leave here, we have to acknowledge that we are blessed just for the fact that we know Christ as Savior. That we were saved from our sins, we were saved from our predicament, we, had, we, were, we were headed for the wrath of God, and he saved us. That is the abundant life, and, and there is no substitute for that. I'm, I'm sorry, well, I'm not sorry to tell you, I'm happy to tell you, there is no substitute for that. There is no higher faith. There is no bigger gift Everything else is underneath that. That's the abundant life that Christ is speaking of. You see, 
The abundant life points to the fact that in verse 14, it says that we are his and he is ours. You see, the abundant life is the fact that we have been chosen as his own. We have been chosen as his own. The Bible says no one comes to me unless the father who sent me draws him in. So you and I, we have been chosen not because of our goodness, but because of his goodness. We have been chosen not because we deserve it, but because of his mercy. God in his sovereignty created us as his own. Then it goes on in verse 14. It talks about how the abundant life is the fact that God knows us and we know God. I referenced uh, Luke 12, 7 earlier with the fact that God knows the very hairs, number of hairs on our head, that they are counted. You know, I used to really struggle with that passage. I really didn't understand what it meant. But then I came face to face with the sovereignty of God in Scripture, and I understood exactly what it meant. It meant that he knows the number of hairs on our head, not because he, he has gone back and counted them after the fact, but he knows us that well because he's the one who created them. He's the one who created them on us. He's the one that created us. We have this abundant life also because he has laid down his life for our sins. Listen to this out of 1 Peter 2, verses 24 to 25. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. For you were strained like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We live an abundant life because there is one flock and there is one shepherd over them all. We see that in verse 16. Paul also talks about this in Galatians 3:28. He says, "There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all in one in Christ Jesus." And we live an abundant life because we have the ability to hear his voice. And John points that, and Jesus points that out in verse 16. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The fact that we can hear the shepherd's voice is a wonderful thing. Because if we can hear his voice, that means we will respond and listen. He is calling our name. We will respond and we will listen. I think back many years ago when I first became a Christian and I can attest to that. There were plenty of times when the, Bible, when, when the Bible was preached to me, the gospel was presented, and I did nothing because I could not understand it, and I did not hear the Good Shepherd calling me. But the night that I responded, it was one of those situations where it was like, you know, you talk about it afterward, but you're like, you're sitting in your seat, and you don't want to get up. And everything in you is telling you, stay down but yet you just rise and get up anyway. It was, it was a wonderful experience, one that I'll never forget, but that night I heard the voice of the Good Shepherd. 
And I followed, and I thank God for it ever since. But here's one more thing I want to leave you with, just to put things into perspective. When we think about the abundant life, and we hear many people teach on it, and we hear sermons on it, I want you to do me a favor, and I want you to put aside any physical blessings of life. I don't want you to make a direct correlation with physical blessings and abundant life. I I do not want you to do that because that's not what this passage is about, and that's not what the abundant life is about. But as Americans, with the, the whole philosophy about the American dream and attaining and achieving and working hard, we have distorted the gospel, and we think that these physical blessings, are they should be present with the abundant life. The fact is, they can be if God chooses to gift us with these things, but it's no guarantee. So you know what? It's better. It, it's, it's, like, it, it's like a bonus, an annual bonus. What do you hear at work when, when, uh, about bonuses? Don't count on them. Right? Don't count on them. Because... The moment you count on them, you're probably not going to get it. And you've already spent that money. That's the way I like to think of physical blessings for our life. Do not count on them. You have been blessed already by being saved. So we must put aside the physical blessings of life. Happiness, health, wealth, all those things. See, a lot of people, they, make the, they falsely make the connection between the abundant life that Jesus speaks of with these physical blessings. But scripture does not guarantee that to be true. In fact, Jesus himself tells his disciples, and, it, and, it, and it, it's a message for us as well, that in this world we will have tribulation. But he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, the true abundant life that Jesus speaks of It's present regardless if these physical blessings are in your life or not. The moment you realize that is is the moment you realize that God is the good shepherd. He has never left you. He will never leave you. And no matter what you go through, you're going to be just fine because you have him. There's no changing that. And when you go back to Psalm 23, that's exactly what it's talking about. When I walk through the valley, the shadow of death. I mean, that's, that's not a pretty picture. I don't know where that is, but I don't want to be there. But the good shepherd is present there as well. And that's what we have to understand. I have come to understand that in my life. There are There are things that I can recognize God's blessings and and, and yes, some of them are physical in nature. But then there are other areas where I don't feel so blessed. And that's okay. Because all these things are all working together for me to rely and trust in my Lord and Savior every single day. And I praise God for that. John 1, 5 or excuse me, 1 John 5, 4 through 5 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 
Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. I'll just use the scripture to explain it perfectly. Yes, the abundant life is Christ. He is our treasure. If we have him, we have found the abundant life. Let us pray.